Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello? Steph, it's Luke. Hey, Luke. How are you? I'm doing all right. So, you know, we're getting to the very end now of 1989 on 30 Pop. Oh, yes. I want to know, 30 years ago right now, what do you think your New Year's resolutions were? It was definitely to kiss a particular boy at some point (laughs) that year. That did not happen. Oh, no, no. No, it did happen. I take it back. That's a whole nother story. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It was also to keep the weight I lost when I got the flu over the Christmas holidays to keep that off because I was looking pretty good after the flu nice. that well, year. Congratulations again then. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we're moving in now to 1990 starting next week. Oh, such a good year. It really is. It's going to be so much fun. And there is no Debbie Gibson anywhere on the Billboard charts in 1990. Oh, hallelujah. We're done with Debbie (laughs) for the foreseeable future. As is your audience and my complaining about her. (laughs) So, hey, Happy New Year. Same to you, friend. And we'll talk to you in 2020. Okay, great. Thanks. Bye. Bye. From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Bronner. This is Season 1, Episode 44, 1989 Year in Review. Today, we're looking back at the year that ended Sunday, December 31st, 1989. Hello, friends. The time has finally come. This is the final episode of Season 1 of 30 Pop, and our days of looking back at the year 1989 are finally coming to a close. I can't tell you how much fun I've had this year reminiscing on the movies, music, TV shows, and other pop culture goodness that shaped the 10th year of my life. For today's episode, I want to catch you up on the little bit of pop culture news from 30 years ago this week, but then we're going to spend a little time reviewing where we've been this year. It's like one of those throwaway episodes from every 80s and 90s sitcom where all they do is flash back to funny moments from past episodes rather than actually write and produce a new one. Except that this isn't a throwaway episode. Once again this week in 1989, the number one song on the Billboard charts was Phil Collins' Another Day in Paradise off his album But Seriously, which claimed the number one album spot this week as well, stealing it away from Millie Vanilli. Those two will continue to battle it out for another couple weeks as we move into 1990, although not for very long. They're two of only eight acts who will hold that number one spot in all of 1990. It's going to be a weird year in music, and I can't wait to talk about it. The number one film at the box office this week in 1989 was, for the second time, although not consecutively, The War of the Roses, starring Danny DeVito, Michael Douglas, and Kathleen Turner. A few episodes back, I promised, with the best of intentions, to finally watch this movie and review it this week on the show. But, well, I didn't. I celebrated Christmas instead. I'd apologize, but I'm not actually sorry. 
I'm sure it's great. So I'll give it four out of five stars and we can just move on. Another film that released 30 years ago this week was Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell's buddy cop action comedy Tango and Cash, which I did see as a kid, but about which I remember nothing. I know I liked it all right back then, but I highly doubt it would hold up today. So as long as I'm giving out ratings based entirely on assumptions, I'll give Tango and Cash 2.5 stars. Actually, you know what? It's Christmas. I'll give it three stars. In sports news, on December 29th, the Associated Press named their two athletes of the decade. The honor for female athlete of the decade went to tennis legend Martina Navratilova. And to no one's surprise, hockey star Wayne Gretzky was named male athlete of the decade. Gretzky actually led in the voting by nearly four times the second-place vote-getter, quarterback Joe Montana. As I've said before, there's a reason he's known as the great one. That's basically it for this week in 1989, so now let's take a peek back at the entire year in pop culture. According to the Billboard year-end top singles chart for 1989, the top 10 songs of the year were Number 10, Giving You the Best That I Got by Anita Baker Number 9, Baby I Love Your Way slash Freebird Medley by Will to Power. Number eight, Girl You Know It's True by Millie Vanilli. Number seven, Wind Beneath My Wings by Bette Midler. Number six, Cold Hearted by Paula Abdul. Number five, Miss You Much by Janet Jackson. Number four, Paula Abdul again with Straight Up. Number three, Every Rose Has Its Thorn, a song I can't stand, by Poison. Number two, Bobby Brown's My Prerogative, a song I love. And number one, Look Away by Chicago, a song that never actually held the number one spot in 1989, but came out on top nonetheless. In television, this was the year that gave us Cops, The Arsenio Hall Show, Baywatch, Doogie Howser, MD, Seinfeld, Saved by the Bell, and The Simpsons. And the year that we lost Webster, Family Ties, Moonlighting, Highway to Heaven, Hollywood Squares, and Thundercats. And as for movies, well, I had a chance this past week to visit with fellow podcaster, pop culture aficionado, and former cast member of AMC's comic book men, Ming Chen, to look back at all the glorious gifts we received from Hollywood in 1989. Here's our conversation. Ming Chen, welcome to 30 Pop. So great to have you today. Hi, thank you. This is an amazing setup. You know, as a fellow podcaster, yeah. I always love checking out other people's setups. Yeah, so you're one person who has maybe as many podcasts as I have. You're, how many shows do you have sort of out in the world right uh, now? I do two weekly. One is called I Sell Comics with my co-host Mike Zapsik. Yeah. Uh, uh, both of us were on a TV show called Comic Book Men, Yes. which came on after The Walking Dead. Yes, which and, I was uh, a big fan of. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, I believe is probably the first show to feature podcasting. In yeah, the actual show, I think that's true, yeah. definitely as a major plot point. Yeah, so tied to Kevin Smith and his whole kind of smodcast empire that he's built. Yeah, the uh, I, I think we just call him the, the Podfather, and then we change it to the Smodfather since yeah. his, uh, his podcast is called uh, Smodcast. Yeah, man, love the show. I'm not caught up, but I, I watched the first several seasons pretty religiously, and it sort of really did. I, I've read this on a lot of y'all's reviews that for a lot of people, it revives their love of comics, and it did the same thing for me. I found myself at Comic Cons like buying comics again, which I hadn't done since I was a kid but yeah i get blamed i'm like man this is all your fault like what are you talking about yeah. it's like man you guys made me get back into comics i'm spending hundreds of dollars on single key issues yeah i'm trying to buy my whole collection back it's, it's an expensive and that's exactly what i found myself doing i never had any like fancy like expensive whatever but there's all these sort of obscure comics i was a big x-men guy and so 
there was like this one in particular that's the X-Men at the State Fair of Texas, which I loved as a kid, and I've had to go out and find it again. But uh, Like Wolverine but, eating fried butter. And yeah, like, pretty uh, much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but again, yeah, you're to blame for that. So, so glad to have you here for the final episode, not only of our first season, not only of 1989, but of the 80s. We are about to transition into a weekly look back at the 90s, which is just going to be so much fun. Uh, that's crazy. But the 80s, uh, one of my favorite eras, uh, I was born in 74. Okay. So the 80s were my wheelhouse. Okay. So this, so you're perfect for this episode because what I wanted to do was spend a little time looking back, especially at the movies that came out in 1989. And I want to invite you, you would have been 15 years old, to in real time rate these, you know, your top five movies from 89. Yeah, before you go there, there were other movies in 89 because, uh, you know, if you're a comic book fan, you know there was only one movie it's that came Batman. out that year. You're a yeah. Batman guy, yeah. Yeah, but I'll, uh, I'll entertain the other entries into the arena. The, so uh, we're, we're just going to assume that Batman's your number one. We'll go ahead and just put that in the number one spot. Oh, so yeah. you can just give me two through five of your top. And these are all movies that we've covered this year on the podcast. Okay. It's been really, really fun. So... What would you rather have? Would you rather have movies that released or movies that were at the top of the box office? Uh, let's go box office, okay. uh, since those were probably more popular. Okay, so for the first month of 1989, the number one film at the box office was Rain Man. Fantastic film. Next up was Three Fugitives. Do you remember this movie with Nick Nolte? I don't. It's, Three I think Fugitives? it's Nick Nolte and maybe like... Uh, Maybe like Martin Short or somebody. I don't remember. It was a. It and who was the third fugitive? I wonder. It was a little kid. I think. It was okay. It wasn't Steve yeah. Gutenberg. No. Okay. The Fly Two was next up. There. Okay. Yeah. So it was a rough start at the box office. Next up was The Burbs, though. The Burbs with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Love that movie. Yeah. Decent movie, and uh, yeah, we get some good comedy in there. The same week that that released, though, also released in theaters, not number one at the box office. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, man. Okay. Which is where the podcast started. Our first episode was looking back at Bill and Ted. We had Amy Stock on, who was Missy, I mean, mom, you know, yeah. that had just graduated a year or two before them or whatever. Yeah. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Lean on Me, fantastic film. Yes. Not Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but no. <laughs> but a good movie in its own right. So, And I, I declared a week or two ago on the podcast that 1989, as wonderful as Batman and some of these other movies were it was the year of Morgan Freeman. So Morgan Freeman had Lean on Me that year. He had Driving Miss Daisy and Glory that released the same day, which is just insane. And those were like massive award-winning films. Wow, he was uh, five years before Shawshank. And before that, all he'd ever done was like The Electric Company and like some kind of smaller TV right. stuff. He didn't have any major films yet until Lean on Me. So next up was Fletch Lives, number one at the box office. Well, wow, a lot of sequels in 89. Yeah, yeah. A oh, ton. Gosh, so many. It's crazy. Somehow in April of that year, Rain Man came back to the number one film at the box office four months later. That's wild to me. But next up was Major League. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm a huge baseball fan. Oh, nice. uh, Yeah, that's got to be, if you're a baseball fan, that's got to be in your top five. Yeah, I think we did a ranking on the episode where we looked back at that, and it was for a lot of people. I mean, it's way, way up there with like Field of Dreams, which is also 89. Yeah. Just, Just a bit outside. Yeah. The same week that Major League came out, the movie Cyborg with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Do you remember that one? <laughs> I remember Cyborg. It's no Time Cop. No, it's not a great movie at all, actually. I it's remember. no Bloodsport. Bloodsport is easily his best in my For mind. Sure. But uh, the other movie that came out that week was The Dream Team with Michael Keaton. Yes. Just before Batman. Right. We had Pet Cemetery came out that year. Well, okay. Major entry into the horror genre. Good representation of 80s horror. Yeah. Right, Are you a horror right guy? At the end. 
Uh, I am. I'm not as rabid as most people, but uh, I've been to a lot of horror conventions. Yeah. I, I didn't watch a lot of horror when I was younger. I, I was just, I was too much of a wuss. Yeah. But later on, I, I learned to appreciate it a nice. lot more when I was able to separate it from real life. Yeah. <laughs> so the week before Pet Cemetery, one that I missed that we featured heavily on the show was Say Anything. Oh, massive. Man. Yeah. Iconic 80s film. We had the great gift of having John Cusack and Ioni Sky on the show. Oh man! To look back through years at that movie, which that's, was that's amazing. That's of one of Cameron Crowe's best, easily. Definitely top three, easily. Yeah, yeah, maybe his best. I mean, that, just some of the greatest characters I think that we received in the '80s were in that film. So yeah, for sure. So good. So the same week as Pet Cemetery, I don't know how Pet Cemetery was the number one film for three weeks when the other films that released that week were Filled of Dreams, which was incredible. Wow. Okay. Well, a lot of baseball movies this year, too. Yeah, yeah, there really were. And we got to have the writer and director of that film on the show, which is super fun. Folks should go back and listen if they didn't hear that. The other one, this is two weeks after Cyborg Kickboxer released. Wow. So okay. It was Jean-Claude, a, you know. Yeah, he was a... Uh, Unstoppable. K9 with Jim Belushi, <laughs> which I loved as a kid. I probably would hate today. See No Evil, Hear No Evil. Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. Do you remember this movie? Uh, vaguely. So very, very funny movie. In it, Gene Wilder is deaf and Richard Pryor is blind and they sort of connect with each other and it's, you know, they're it pretty accused much writes of itself. murder. Yeah, it's super, super funny. Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Oh my God. Yeah. What a masterpiece. Oh, it was masterpiece. Did you go there? I saw I it. Did. I guess I saw it for the first time. My brother thinks of it as a masterpiece also, but he doesn't have the best taste. I watched it for the first time when we covered it for the episode. I'd never seen it before. And it was just so sort of full of this like machismo ridiculous. I mean, it was just over the top. Yeah. Me. But Patrick Swayze, he is, he embodies Dalton. Yeah. He is Dalton yeah. and vice versa. And Dalton is Patrick Swayze. The week after that, we covered this. We did a live episode at Comic Palooza where you were this year. Looking back at Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, man. <laughs> the last of the, the great trilogy. Yes, the last good one. Yeah, yeah the last good one. Until and hopefully the next one. Hopefully the next one they will redeem themselves a little bit. We'll see. Yeah. But, I mean, you add in Sean Connery and more Nazis, and you get to see Hitler in this one. Yeah. And the book. Yeah. That's a great movie. Easily my favorite of the whole franchise. Yeah. I just loved that movie. Next up was Dead Poet Society, which was huge. Robin Williams. Yeah, depressing to watch in 2019. For sure. Yeah, it's still the beautiful film, but like, man, just to know sort of the story that they're telling and the story that unfolds in Robin Williams' actual yep. life, it's just ugh, tough to watch. But same weekend as that, very similar in style. No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan and Tiny oh Zeus Lister. Yes. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, um, I had a table at a con next to Tiny Lister. Did you really? Yeah, and uh, he's Zeus. He's really? Or, you know, he, was, uh, he was, I mean, he was playing it up for the autograph seekers. Oh my gosh, but, I would have um, loved that. I'm a big Friday fan, so like, I would have loved to meet that guy. Tried real hard to get him on the show, but unsuccessfully. Are you a Star Trek guy? Uh, I am. I mean, you know, of course, I'm more of a Star Wars guy, but okay. of course, uh, yes, I appreciate the the Federation. Yeah. So Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier okay. came out the next weekend. Next up, Ghostbusters Two. That's right. Yeah. Oh, At man. this point, I would say the last great Ghostbusters movie. Oh yeah, for Until sure. Until the next one, next summer, the 2021 looks fantastic. It to looks me, amazing. But. Yes. Uh, AKA uh, Stranger Things uh, <laughs> slash Ghostbusters. Yes. yes. So the next week, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids came out. Wow. The same weekend as Batman. At which point, I assume wow. everything else was just a blur to you. So Yeah, for sure. But the cojones, they had to be like, you know what? Let's release it the same week. And, you know, it's uh, Michael maybe, Keaton. How good could it be Right, and <laughs> as Batman? It's dark 
comic book movie. You know, maybe they maybe they scoffed at the the comic book genre at the time and thought yeah. counter programming. I mean, I guess I don't I don't know what their box office was, but I guess it worked. It's a great movie. Yeah, it did. It, it held its own. But yeah. let's see. So there was a whole bunch of stuff sort of right here in a concentrated couple of weeks. So the the very next weekend, yeah, what well, gets released the week after Batman? Karate Kid Three. Oh my god. Wow. Right? I mean, it is the year of sequels. And I mean, that wasn't the best Karate Kid sequel by any stretch, but I still loved it. Right. The I mean, bad was, boy of karate. Yeah. Yeah. The same weekend we had Great Balls of Fire, which I didn't care about. Do the Right Thing, which is a spectacular movie. It is. Spike Lee's best, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Weekend at Bernie's the next week. Wow. And Lethal Weapon 2. I mean, like, major, major films. Well, I, if like if I get stuck in a time warp where I had to relive '89 over and over, just based on the movies alone, I'd be fine. Yeah, you know what's funny is '88's the same way. I originally wanted to start the show in '88, and that year was like Die Hard and Roger Rabbit yep. and all the stuff that I just loved as yeah. a kid. So next up, are you a rom com guy at all? Oh yeah, for sure. When Harry Met Sally. Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. One of the best. Yeah. Lethal Weapon 2, it was continuing to hold that number one spot at the box office, but uh, UHF with Weird Al, do you remember that movie? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Conan was... the Librarian. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so now we're fixing to get a run of, over the next several weeks, a whole bunch of horror films. So we got Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Yes. And Turner and Hooch with Tom Hanks came out the same weekend. Parenthood with Steve Martin the next week. And then we get The Abyss, which was fantastic. Yes. Director's cut only, in my opinion. Really? Okay. But yeah, the, uh, the original one uh, cut out a lost ending where uh, made the whole movie make sense. So the next week we had Uncle Buck, which I loved and we covered heavily on the show. Yeah, Long Live John Candy, yes. Yes. Gosh, may he rest in peace. It, you know, I, I rewatched that one for the episode that we covered it, and it holds up completely. I yeah. mean, it is so so funny and we had Jean Louisa Kelly who played cool. his niece you know yeah. the kind of troubled niece and she was maybe my favorite interview of 2019 before today yeah oh thank uh, you thank you very was, much she was fantastic and, uh, the rise of Macaulay Culkin was uh, I yeah believe, uh, right the uh, ever going to comic book terms I believe that the first appearance of Macaulay Culkin yeah. in the movie if I'm not mistaken I think you're right I mean it was at least I mean everything feels if it's pre Home Alone I mean that's like you know nobody yeah. really knew who he was yet but he's so good in this next uh, the same week we had Nightmare on Elm Street The Dream Child also number <laughs> 5 Little Monsters do you remember this movie Howie Mandel and Fred Savage Howie Mandel plays a, a monster that comes out from under his bed and then takes him back under the bed and they, they like explore this whole monster world right. or whatever that would fly well in 2019 yeah it was yeah it's true it was real weird but uh, I loved it as a kid Let's see. Other big releases. We had Sea of Love, which I don't know. Any, I don't, Al Pacino yeah. and uh, Ellen Barkin, I believe. Um, yeah. I, uh, he, he plays a grizzled cop. Yeah. You know, big surprise there. Yeah. Trying to solve a, a murder or something. <laughs> it's kind of typecast there. Black Rain was the next week, which is, I think, Michael Douglas or, or somebody. It's, yes. It's very similar sort of in tone, yes. at least. And then we had Look Who's Talking. Were you a Look Who's Talking fan? I mean, I, I bit for the, the talking baby genre, yeah. and it was the first time we saw John Travolta in a long time, pre-Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and it was, I, I want to say, besides Pulp Fiction, it was like the last we saw of that John Travolta. Right. So like the John Travolta that was so charming and wonderful, we got one more great role from him. Right, and then before the emergence got, of Vincent, Vincent Vega. Yeah, and then he just got weird. But Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, 
uh, was the same weekend. Look Who's Talking held the box office for like five straight weeks. It, yeah, so. it was such a weird new genre. Like, oh, people are like, oh my god, these, this baby talks. Yeah. These babies talk. It's like, oh my god, I gotta go see that. Yeah, I mean, it spawned a TV show. Like, there was a whole world. Uh, two around. sequels, I believe, maybe more than. Oh I'm, yeah, I'm, there I'm were several. Yeah, there was at least two. So there was Look Who's Talking two, where Roseanne Barr came in right. as his little sister, and then Look Who's Talking again or something uh, look who's talking now i believe look who's might, talking now yeah, yeah with the dogs that can talk and is, bruce willis voiced a baby as well yeah 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 and that which is a real fun role for him that's that movie is where i learned about how babies are made but so harlem knights do you remember this movie uh eddie murphy yeah his yeah. directorial debut and his the last thing he directed because it did not do well right. at all but the cast is spectacular yeah. i mean it's him it's richard pryor it's red fox like the, it's arsenio hall's in it yeah he called in the calvary for this one yeah and somehow it just didn't it didn't do well i rewatched it for the or i watched it for the first time a few weeks back and it was like i, I don't know why it didn't do well i mean it's yeah. fine you know it's kind of exactly what you would expect right. it to be we had a big Disney release, Little Mermaid, and All Dogs Go to Heaven the same weekend. And the same weekend as those was Steel Magnolias, which was huge. Yes. Which I had never seen until we got ready for this, this episode. <laughs> okay, so now we're in November. November 25th, Back to the Future 2. Oh, man. What are your thoughts? I love it. I You can't see this, but I have a flux capacitor oh tattoo, That's so I'm, I'm way into the yes. Back to the Future genre. Of course, I want to see what the future looked like. Uh-huh. And although they didn't nail it, no. per se... Uh, it gave us a very good idealized uh, look at the future. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, so how do you rank those three films, the Back to the Future films? Uh, right, right in order. Yeah, okay, one, one, two, two and three. three. Yeah. Me too. Now, although my whole life, the second one was my favorite, when I rewatched the series for the podcast, I was like, man, the first one is just incredible. It's, it's pretty much perfect. It's so good. It's it pretty much perfect. But really uh, I, I love, uh, yeah, I, I think the second one is brilliant as well, though. Yeah. The very next weekend, even though Back to the Future Part 2 was still number one at the box office, is when we got National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, man. All right. Which is obviously a classic. Christmas Vacation held the box office for a couple weeks, but we had the massive releases, as I mentioned before, Glory and Driving Miss Daisy, which came out on the same day, which is incredible to me, both with Morgan Freeman and The Wizard with Fred Savage and Jenny Lewis, yes. Christian Slater, Bo Bridges, and Luke Edwards, who was on right. the show a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you, uh, you, you, you take your power glove off of her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you keep your, yeah, you keep your power gloves Send off Send me her. an angel. Yeah, man. Everything about that film still holds up for me. I oh, just yeah, for sure. It. And it, it, it foretold the emergence of eSports, which is huge right now. Yeah, yeah. Getting down to the end, we've got two more big releases for the year. One was Born on the Fourth of July with Tom Cruise. Yes. Oliver, Oliver Stone. Stone. Yeah. And then the final week of the year, Tango and Cash. So based on what you know now of Hollywood in 1989, let's hear your top five films from the year. All right, top three films. Uh, I mean, number one, I got to go with Batman. Uh-huh. Uh, it, that took over my whole year. My whole summer, it was my whole reason for living. Were you already a fan of the comic? Oh, or yeah. Like, were you a Batman yep. comic fan? Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, for Perfect. sure. So when I was like, oh, my God, they're making a movie. Of course, I had doubts when they cast Keaton. Mm-hmm. I remember I was watching MTV one day, and they're like, hey, breaking news. They've cast Batman. And me and my friends like, oh, my God, what? I mean, you know, is it like Arnold or like Stallone? And uh, we we're like, Michael Keaton? Like, Mr. Mom is going to be Batman? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're scoffing at this like, oh, man, this isn't going to be good. Yeah. And uh, we were proven way wrong. Yeah. So what do you think of the Joker? What do you think of Jack Nicholson's Joker? Uh, I love it. I think it it definitely, it ranks up there with everybody else. Yeah. It, uh, he, he made his own character, injected his own personality. Uh, yet he kept the the whole essence of the comic book Joker. Yeah. We had our own ideas of the Joker reading the comic books and then seeing the, uh, the the 66 show, which of course was a more comical turn. Mm -hmm. So 
to see something that Jack created on his own and was amazing and creepy, but yet comical yeah. and quotable. And has shaped every Joker since. I oh, mean, yeah. you can't deny that he has shaped every Joker yeah, since. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember seeing the trailer for the first time? I yeah, I believe the what trailer I remember, is terrible. It is the one of the worst trailers I've ever seen, and I, I'm I'm amazed that this movie did so well at the box office just based on the trailer. I I think I remember it was just a bunch of quick cuts. Yes, and, like it's um, like there's no music behind it. Right. It's just bizarre. Yeah. Okay, so first up, Batman. What's your number two for '89? This is a tough one, mm-hmm. and uh, this is very close. But I think I'm half, I'm going to have to go with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Really, yeah. even with the flux capacitor tattooed on your arm, yeah, you got to go Indiana Jones. That's amazing. I, I mean, two words though: Sean Connery. Yeah, like Sean Connery in any movie it makes it instantly better. But it's true. the way he played that role and the way him and Indy were just bickering the whole time, mm-hmm. it was played perfectly. Yeah, it really, really is. It's maybe my favorite Sean Connery role that i've seen yeah like i'm not sure that there's a better character in my mind that he's played than henry jones right well james bond notwithstanding but yes for sure you know, and I, i'm not super familiar with his bond okay. so i didn't get into bond until daniel craig i'm going back now and re-watching all the old ones but i just don't have as much exposure to him okay and i think this may be the first thing i ever saw him because i was nine years old yes so like what would i have seen with sean connery at this point so i just loved him in this movie right all right, so we've got Batman, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade. Yeah, then, then I go with Back to the Future 2. And okay. I mean, this is, man, this is, it's tough to pick a top three. Yeah. So three, Back to the Future 2, four. I'd have to go say anything for sure. Perfect. Number yeah. four. I mean, how could you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah number four. That so shaped my good. whole high school through college. Yeah. It reinforced the idea that even, not that Lloyd Dobler was a dweeb, but he was like kind of the awkward guy that no one really paid yeah. attention to. Yeah. Which was totally me in high school and college. Yeah. And uh, and he got the hot girl just by asking. Yeah. Like, hey, hey man, who are you? Like, how'd you get down court? Like, I, I asked. Yeah. Yeah. He gave all the nerds hope. Yeah. 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 So good. Yeah. And all right. Final film. Man, What's your number five? Number five. Man, that's a, that's a tough one. Of course. But yeah, I got to go with Bill and Ted. Nice. George Carlin. Yes. Keanu Reeves. Uh, Alex Winter. Yeah. Are you looking forward to the third one? Oh, yeah. I can't Yeah, wait. long overdue. Yes. Long indeed. overdue. Man, Ming, thanks so much for being on. Where can folks find you online? Oh, man. Thank you. So uh, I also have my own podcast studio, which, yes. which I rent out to uh, aspiring podcasters by the hour. It's called A Shared Universe Podcast Studio. Mm-hmm. That's at ashareduniverse.com. A Shared Universe, all across social media. And... Uh, individually, I'm at Mingchen37, M-I-N-G-C-H-E-N. Across all social media? Across all social media. Perfect. And then you've got the Ming and Mike show, I Sell Comics. Any others that you want to put out there? Those will be the two big ones. And then um, if you have a podcast on there and uh, you need a guest, you want to talk movies or comics or pop culture or quantum physics, yeah. I don't know much about it, but I'll do research. Yeah. Yeah, shoot me a message. I, I, uh, I love guesting on podcasts perfect well i look forward to having you back next year as we start to look towards the 90s i mean we've definitely got some kevin smith stuff coming down the pipe we're definitely have to have you on for those so 94 the year of clerks yeah man perfect ming thanks so much we'll see you next time huge thanks to ming for being a part of this episode he's a pretty regular visitor to houston so i'm sure we'll hear more from him on the show in season two which starts next week That's right, next week our journey into the 90s begins, and I really hope you'll join me. Thanks so much for sticking with me through this first season. It's been an absolute blast, and I'm completely serious when I say we've only scratched the surface. There is so much fun yet to be had. If you haven't already, be sure to follow 30 Pop on Facebook and Twitter, at 30 Pop. 
and on Instagram, which I actually use occasionally, at 30poppodcast. And as always, be sure to check the show notes for links to all the other fun stuff I do with this show, including our 30 Pop mixtape playlist on Apple Music and Spotify, our 30 Pop trivia night, which is coming up January 21st, and our 30 Pop store on TeePublic. Until next week, friends, oh, think twice, because it's another day for you and me in paradise. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Milieu Media Group, visit milieumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>